Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 22. The Bible says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. We're looking at faith's examples going one by one, and and we're going to highlight Joseph here. Now, if I was going to put a quick synopsis in about Joseph in Hebrews, right? Um, And to compare it, if you had me putting together the bio, the short one-paragraph entry bio for uh, the Hall of Faith, let's say it was an actual place and there's going to be a bust of Joseph and there's going to be a bio below, um, I don't think I would have chosen this event to describe the life of Joseph. In fact, when I say to you, tell me the first thing you think of when you think of Joseph, I don't know anyone that would say he wanted his bones carried out of Egypt. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. But when the Bible talks about Joseph being a man of faith, the the thing that rises to the very top is that as Joseph was dying in Egypt, he wanted his body cremated, and his bones carried out when they left. And as we'll see as we go through the Bible study tonight, uh, that, that sort of epitomized the life of Joseph, is he was always looking out ahead, past the current problem, at what God would do. At what God would do. And that's what faith does. You see, fear focuses on what could happen and the bad that is happening. Faith focuses on the good that God is working through the bad, and faith also focuses on what God is going to do down the road. And Joseph said, listen, we're living in Egypt, right? I'm getting ready to die, but we're not going to stay here. Why? Because God gave a land of promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, our father, our fathers, and, and he's going to follow through on that promise to give us that land. So prepare my bones. One day we're going to leave Egypt. So we're going to look at faith's examples and we're going to back up at, at, to, to Joseph's youth and work through from Joseph as a young man um, all the way up until uh, his death. And we're going to try to cover the whole life of Joseph in about 40 minutes. So we'll see how far we get. If not, then we'll finish up next week. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to understand the passage in front of us? Would you give us clarity uh, for it? Somebody tonight, Lord, is struggling because they feel like someone has done them wrong, deeply wrong. And, Lord, there is uh, animosity in their heart, maybe over a missed opportunity. Or, Lord, some uh, great thing was taken away from them um, because of someone else's action. And they're discouraged and even becoming embittered. So, Lord, as we look at the life of Joseph, help us to find solace in the story and hope that, Lord, you are ultimately always in charge and you know what's best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you received a bulletin, prayer bulletin on the way in, there is an outline on the back. And I would encourage you to take notes as we go and review the notes later. And we work hard on putting these together, and we do that for you. And so uh, let's jump in. By the way, if you've never heard the story of the life of Joseph, you are in for a real treat tonight. Letter, uh, point number one, notice Joseph lived by faith. Joseph lived by faith. Joseph lived by faith. Now, if you were to look at the life of Joseph, you would see ups and downs. You would see mountaintops 
and valleys. You would see happy days and days of potential depression. Although we never read that Joseph was depressed. Boy, when we look at his life in just a moment, you're going to see that Joseph probably faced some serious depression. Probably. Joseph definitely had every right to feel sad based on many things that happened to him. But through it all, whether it was good in Joseph's life or bad in Joseph's life, Joseph consistently remained a man of faith. Notice letter A, God's promises. God's promises. We'll come back to Hebrews 11 right at the very end of the message. Until then, if you would turn with me over to the book of Genesis and chapter number 37 in your Bibles. Genesis 37. We're going to look at quite a bit of scripture this evening, so I would encourage you to please uh, read along with us and uh, uh, follow along there uh, in your Bibles. uh, The Bible dedicated, I believe it was 16 or 17 chapters to the life of Joseph because he was such an impressive young man who did what was right. Genesis 37, look with me uh, at verse number 5. The Bible says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he, he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves uh, round about, and made obeisance, or bowed down to my sheaf. Now, I want you to imagine you've got 11 brothers and you're uh, not the youngest, but you're the second to youngest of the uh, 12 boys. And you go to your older brothers and you say, I had a dream. And in my dream, there were 12 bales of hay in the field and one bale of hay for each one of us. And you guys, your your bales of hay all bowed down to my bale of hay. And on top of this, Joseph is already daddy's favorite. Daddy's playing favorites with Joseph, and Joseph is daddy's favorite. They already don't like this little pipsqueak. And now he comes to them and says, God told me y'all are going to bow down to me one day. Well, that didn't make him real popular. But you know what God was telling Joseph is, Joseph, um, I have a plan for your life. Let's keep reading. Look with me at, um, uh, let's see, verse number 9. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it to his brother, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars again made obeisance or bowed down to me. And he told it to his father and uh, to the brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him. But his father observed the saying. So what do we have here? We have... God making a promise to Joseph that one day, one day, your brethren and your family will bow down to you. They will bow down to you. Now, as I read this story, I think of King David. And not to lay out two stories at the same time, but just quickly, many of you know that Jesse the prophet, uh, or, or rather Samuel the prophet, came to Jesse, Jesse's house, and David was Jesse's youngest son, and you remember, he anointed David to be king out of the field. But then, he wasn't made a king right behind that. In fact, David would be chased by the king of Israel through the wilderness where he would have to hide in caves and fear for his life. And I imagine for David, there were many times he thought, God, do you know what you're doing? I was anointed to be king, and now I'm being chased around like I'm some kind of animal to be killed. And Joseph must have felt that same way. God, you you anointed 
uh, or rather, you, you gave me these dreams and told me that my brethren would bow down to me and, and I would uh, obtain some sort of position in the family. And Lord, I don't know what it all means, but, 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 but we'll see the things that would happen in Joseph's life would make Joseph feel like God had forgotten his promise. Christian, can I ask you a question this evening? Have you ever been there where you've had a promise from God in his word and you felt like God had abandoned that promise to you? Have you ever wondered, God, where are you and what are you doing and why are you allowing these things to happen? Why are you allowing uh, me to be treated this way? I'm being treated so unfairly. This is so wrong. And Lord, you made these promises to me. And and what now? Where, Where are you, God? We'll see in a moment that God made a promise to Joseph and then and then it seemed to Joseph, or it must have seemed to Joseph, that God had just forgotten about him. God's promises. Let her be noticed his persecutions. Speaking of Joseph, his persecutions. Now, we're going to see that Joseph lived a life by faith. Let me say this before we read Genesis 37, 23 through 38 and the verses that go with it. Let me just quickly uh, tell you this, that... Um, uh, sometimes, um, well, well, hold on here. I, I lost my train of thought. All right, I got it back. Living a life of faith is easy when everything's going well. Doesn't take much faith, does it? Um, you know, you you just have life handed to you on a string. Anybody can live by faith under those circumstances. When things are going tough, that's when our faith is put to the test. And You can look at a persecution in your life as though God is being unfair, as though God has forgotten about you, or as you grow in the Lord, you begin to realize God allows persecution in my life because He's testing my faith. You know, if God never tests your faith, that means He's forgotten about you. Thank God for the persecutions. Look at verse number 23 of Genesis chapter 37. And so the story here is that um, Joseph's older brothers are a ways away taking care of the cattle, the animals, the sheep. And uh, uh, J- Joseph's father, Jacob, sends him to go look for his brethren and, and to find out what they're doing. And to the brethren, it appears as though Joseph has come to spy on them. Look at verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph uh, out of his coat. Uh, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked and beheld. A company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, uh, going, to, uh, uh, going to carry it down to Egypt. So these are nomads. They're traders. They're traveling through, and they've got their, their spices. They've got their, their goods for barter and trade. And uh, they're coming through to go to Egypt so they can trade these things in or sell them for money. And Judah, verse 26, uh, said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brother brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, the merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. 
How horrible is this? Dad sends you on an errand to check up on your brothers. Your brothers take you. They rip the coat off of you that Dad gave you. They throw you down in a pit and threaten to, to kill you. In fact, they're, 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 they're talking about killing you. and they're, they're on the fence about killing you. That's how much they hated him. And then a money-making opportunity comes by as these nomads, these traders are traveling through heading to Egypt and they say, you know what, let's sell them into slavery. Boy, that's, that's persecution, is it not? I don't want to hear how bad you have it in life. I don't think any of us are being sold into slavery to another country with a language we don't speak. He was taken and he was put uh, uh, on the back of a camel and he was carried away to Egypt. Boy, what must have been going through Joseph's head? His persecutions. I'm going to give you uh, uh, letter C. Uh, and then we'll bounce back and forth between letter B and letter C here. So we've seen God's promises that his brethren would bow down to him. We've seen the beginning of his persecutions. Notice letter C, his persistence. His persistence. Look down with me at Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 1. Genesis chapter 39 and verse number 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian... Uh, brought him uh, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had uh, 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 brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had uh, had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made, made him overseer in the house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the, uh, and, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a, look here, a goodly person and well-favored. So Joseph arrives in Egypt as a nobody. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't know the language. He doesn't know anybody. And he's put up on a slave block and sold as a slave. He is bought as a slave by a man in, in Egypt who is a private businessman who is very wealthy by the name of Potiphar. And he's brought in and he's probably given floors to clean. He's given simple chores to do. And everything that Joseph does, he does by faith. Everything that Joseph does, he continues to say, you know what, I'm not going to give up on God because I don't believe that God has given up on me. My friend, that's faith. What would have you done as a teenage boy or a teenage girl, the ladies in here, if your brothers had thrown you in a pit and sold you to be a slave and you had woke up the next morning in a country where you couldn't communicate with anybody? Well, you probably, uh, uh, if you're like me, you probably would have been tempted to become bitter at God. God, you, you told me my brethren were one day going to bow down to me, and now here I am, a slave in a country I don't know. Lord, if, if you're going to forget about me, then I'm going to forget about you. Can I tell you, many, many people would have handled it that way, but not Joseph. Joseph had been slighted, but God had not forgotten Joseph. And Joseph 
did not lose his faith in God. Let's go back a moment to his persecutions and let's look at um, uh, verse uh, chapter number 39 and verse number 10. Chapter number 39 and verse number 10. By the way, we read it, but quickly here, he is brought into Pharaoh's home and what does he do? He works hard and, and, and God prospers him. Everything he does, God prospers. And he, he grows from just being a slave to being in charge of the estate of Potiphar. Everything that Potiphar owns, Joseph is in charge of. He's running his finances. He's running the food coming in and out. He is overseeing all the other slaves that Potiphar owns. He has become Potiphar's right-hand man. In fact, he is basically the king of Potiphar's castle. Well, wouldn't you know it, he's up here with dad, dad's favorite, thrown down in a pit down here, sold into slavery. And then he rises from the ashes and becomes in charge of Potiphar's home. Boy, he's about to be persecuted again. Look at verse number 10 of Genesis 39. And it came to pass as she, this is Potiphar's wife, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she, Potiphar's wife, caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now this angered Potiphar's wife. And it came to pass, uh, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called um, unto uh, the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in in Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud, loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord, this would be her husband, came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me or to rape me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment and uh, with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that uh, his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, uh, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. Oh my goodness. Joseph's done nothing wrong. And here he is being persecuted again. Here he is being mistreated and maligned against again. Boy, Potiphar's wife probably in a shell marriage. Potiphar's wife, whose husband was too distracted to take care of her and love on her. Potiphar's wife looks around and sees young, handsome, uh, uh, a devonier and strong uh, Joseph and thinks, boy, I sure would like to get my lustful hands on him. And Joseph continues to put off her advances and say, this is not right and you have a husband and uh, your husband has let me be in charge of everything, but I am not to touch you, ma'am. I am not to touch you, Mrs. Potiphar. Well, Mrs. Potiphar had her mind made up. What Mrs. Potiphar wanted, Mrs. Potiphar got. And no one was going to tell her no. And so Joseph is alone in the house. And what happens? She grabs him by the coat and says, Lie with me. Be intimate with me. And Joseph squirms out of his coat 
and flees out of the house. Why? He was fleeing fornication, as we're told in 1 Corinthians to do. Well, she was angry. So she lays the coat down next to her on her bed and claims that Joseph tried to violate her. Can I just give you my opinion here? I don't think Potiphar believed his wife. Because Potiphar had the power to have Joseph killed. And if he really believed that Potiphar had tried to rape his wife, he probably would have had Joseph killed. But he had no choice because he wanted to maintain his marriage to do anything other but to take Joseph and throw him in prison. Boy, Joseph is up and Joseph is down. And Joseph is back up, and now Joseph is back down. But one thing about Joseph stays the same. He never loses his faith in God. Again, his persistence, his persistence. Look with me at Genesis chapter 39, and look at verse number 21. But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him mercy, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand, all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Did Joseph give up? Absolutely not. Did Joseph throw in the towel on his faith and say, God, I, I, I stayed with you up through Potiphar, but now that I my reputation has been smeared and ruined, and here I am sitting in a prison cell to rot the rest of my life, God, I am done with my faith. Is that what Joseph did? Of course not. Joseph persisted. Ups and downs, and ups and downs, and ups and down another down. And Joseph is just steady Eddie staying the same, continuing to believe that God knows what He is doing. You know, uh, too often times when people mistreat us, instead of putting our eyes on God and saying, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Instead, we put our eyes on the person who's wronging us and we focus on them. And you know, had Joseph focused on his brothers and dwelled on that, he would have become a bitter man. If Joseph would have focused on Potiphar's wife, having him in prison, he would have become an even more bitter man. But Joseph said, you know what? No, these people are doing wrong to me, but God, God knows what he's doing. And I supremely trust in God. So what does he do when he lands in prison? Does he sink down in the mire and throw himself a pity party? No. He stands up and says, okay, I'm in prison. Lord, you must have a plan for me. Did God have a plan for Joseph? Oh, yeah. Joseph went from just being a common prisoner to being in charge of the prison, second in command of the prison. You know why? Because he had an attitude. He had a work ethic that pleased the Lord. And here he is, second in charge. And uh, there's a butler and baker that work for the king that are thrown in prison. And uh, uh, Joseph is given orders to serve these two men in prison. And the butler and baker have a dream one night, and uh, they're troubled by their dream. And so Joseph approaches the butler and baker about their dreams, and he has them tell him their dreams, and he says, God has given me the interpretation of your dream. Mr. Butler, you're going to be restored back to your uh, position. Mr. Baker, you're going to be hung, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And sure enough, three days later, just as Joseph said, that came to pass. But the butler would go back to the king's palace, Pharaoh's palace, and would, would totally forget about Joseph. We don't know how long Joseph sat in a prison cell, but it was for a good long time. You know what, though? God hadn't forgot about Joseph. 
You're going through a trouble right now in your life and you think you're being maligned or mistreated. Can I tell you, God hasn't forgotten about you. He knows right where you are. He, he is asking you this question. Will you stay faithful? Will you continue to trust me? Will you take your eyes off the person who's maligning against you and will you believe in me? And you know what? Joseph sets an example for us. And if we'll follow Joseph's example, we'll see that there is nothing a person can do to us that will, that will take God off track from blessing us. Years ago, um, years ago, we were uh, in position in line um, to take the pastorate of Granite Baptist Church in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And the church was a large church. Uh, 750 people to 800 people were uh, in attendance each Sunday morning. And it looked as though uh, we, were, we were going to be voted on and placed in the pastorate role there. And God, um, uh, uh, rather, um, there were some people who acted very carnal and acted very wrong and uh, very much mistreated my family. And uh, not only did they, they, they skip over us, boy, they stepped on top of us and tried to squash us and hurt us in the process of not calling us to be the pastor. And boy, we cried a lot of tears. We, we were very troubled by that. We felt in our own way that we were being slighted. And I remember sitting down uh, uh, with my wife across from a, a pastor friend of mine and, and uh, just sort of bearing our, our hurt to that pastor. And the pastor looked at me and he said, pick your chin up. You're going to be all right. If someone mistreats you to the degree that you're mistreated, to that same degree... God is going to turn around and bless you tenfold. And you know what? Can I tell you this? I'd rather pastor White Oak Baptist Church than Granite Baptist Church. We're, we're smaller here. Hey, but you know what? I wasn't ready to pastor a church that size. God wanted me, God wanted me here. And I have to say, I'm having the time of my life being the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church. And God knew what He was doing. You know what I needed? I needed to trust God and I needed to be patient. And that's exactly what God's asking of you right now. He's asking you to take your eyes off of your hurt and put your eyes on the healer of your hurt. He's asking you to put your eyes on Him and trust Him that He's got it. Joseph lived by faith. Do you live by faith or do you live by feeling? Do you walk by faith knowing that no matter what other people do to me, boy, God has a plan. Joseph's, Joseph lived by faith. Notice number two, Joseph led by faith. Joseph led by faith. Now, again, we're going over the Cliff Notes version uh, of the message here. Uh, so I'll just fill in this part of the story real quick. We won't dwell on it. But here's what happens. Potiphar, who is the leader of Egypt, Egypt's the largest country in the world at the time, Potiphar has this dream. And God doesn't work through dreams anymore. I don't have time to get into all the reasons why he doesn't now, but he did then. But you, just for the sake of this, if you don't know why, you just have to take my word for it, and I'd be happy to answer your questions later. God worked through dream, dreams back then, and God gave Potiphar a dream. And in the dream, there were seven stalks uh, of uh, seven fat stalks uh, of corn and seven skinny stalks of corn. And the seven skinny stalks devoured the fat stalks and then died. Joseph woke up and was troubled and then went back to sleep. And then Joseph had another dream that seven skinny cows uh, devoured seven fat, plump cows and then those cows died. And he woke up and he was very troubled 
by his dream. And so he called in all of his magicians and sorcerers and told them the dream and said, give me the interpretation of the dream. And none of them could. And the butler, who had been in prison and, and, and been restored, uh, oh, that's right. Years ago, I was in prison, and this young Hebrew boy named Joseph properly interpreted my dream and the baker's dream, and those dreams came true exactly the way he said. He said to Pharaoh, he said, I was supposed to mention him to you, and I forgot. And Pharaoh says, well, get him out of prison and bring him here. So, uh, Joseph is just plunking along, serving the Lord in his place, there in that prison, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, in prison, feeling forgotten, and lo and behold, he's grabbed by the back of the shirt, he's pulled out of prison, he's thrown in a shower, he shaves, uh, they, 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 they get him ready, and he's brought from the prison to the palace. There he is standing in front of the leader of the world. An hour ago, he is in prison with no hope. And now he's looking at the ruler of the world. And the ruler of the world looks down at him and says, I heard you're good at interpreting dreams. And Joseph doesn't skip a beat. He looks at Pharaoh and he says, Interpretation of dreams is of the Lord. You tell me your dream, and if the Lord gives me the interpretation, I'd be happy to tell you, but the Lord gets the credit. And so he tells him the dream, and Joseph looks at him and says, Here's the interpretation. This nation, this world rather, is going to have seven years of great abundance in farming. And then on the heels of those seven great years, there's going to be seven years of horrible famine. And God wants you to take a fifth of all of the corn you can get your hands on, tax a fifth, and stow it away so that during those years of famine... Boy, um, the, country, the world will be saved. The world will be able to eat. And then he says this to Pharaoh. He says, you need to find a man you can trust to put in charge of collecting the food to save the world. Notice letter A. He foretold the famine. He foretold the famine. Look at Genesis chapter 41, verse 14. I got a little ahead of myself here telling the story. Look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, um, uh, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard uh, say of thee uh, that thou canst understand a dream uh, to interpret it. Verse 16, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not of me, uh, God shall give Pharaoh Answer, God shall give uh, uh, Pharaoh answer of peace. Look down with me at verse number 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, uh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after uh, them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. He goes on to tell him that uh, this famine is going to come behind seven years of plenty. He foretold the famine. Let her be noticed. He fed the world. He fed the world. So he tells Pharaoh, you need to find a man who's capable of leading. Now, I have to say, um, either Pharaoh got really lucky in picking Joseph, uh, made a a rash decision and ended up getting lucky, or Pharaoh was one really good judge of character. 
really good at spotting leadership. I don't know which one it was, but he looks at this jailbird, which is what Joseph was. He's a jailbird. Now, if President Trump, love him, hate him, or you're indifferent toward him. No one's indifferent toward President Trump. Everyone has an opinion, all right? Now, if President Trump was facing a famine, and he chose his number one advisor to call the shots, and he went down to the the prison house, and he got some convict and brought him in and said, this guy is in charge, everyone would blast him. And, And, you know, rightfully so. This is exactly what Pharaoh did. Joseph had a reputation and it wasn't good. Now, it wasn't true, but it wasn't good. And Pharaoh put Joseph in charge. Wow. Listen, if God can have Pharaoh take a jailbird and make him second in charge of the world, God is not limited to help you out of whatever spot you're in. The question is, do you trust him? Joseph led by faith. Look down at verse number 37. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 37, we'll read down to verse 44. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Notice, he notices Joseph as being a man who has the Spirit of God. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none too discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph took off uh, his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vesture of fine linen and a pure gold chain about his neck. And and he made him to ride um, in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Boy, he would go about collecting the food and and, and piling it, stockpiling it, and preparing for that time of famine. He fed the world. He fed the world. Again, I can't in 40 minutes tell this entire story. It's not possible um, uh, for me to tell it and, and, and uh, and, and preach it and talk about it the way I'd like. Uh, but through a system, uh, a series of events that would happen, his brothers, during those seven years of famine, living way out uh, where they lived, uh, would uh, the famine would affect them and they would become hungry. And Jacob would say, go down and take money and, and, and buy food uh, from this leader in Egypt, not knowing that his son was even still alive. And the brothers not knowing what had happened to their brother who they had sold into slavery. And so they walk into the palace where Joseph is, and they don't recognize him when they got rid of him. He was just a young preteen or early teenage boy, and now he's a 30-year-old man, and he's sitting in the palace, he's he's dressed in Egyptian garb, he's become accustomed to the Egyptian culture, and he sees his brothers walk in, and he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And you know what they do? They get down on their knees and they bow down to him. Just as God had prophesied when he was a little boy. Here Joseph thought, probably thought that God had forgot his promise to him. Boy, he, he, he was, he was thrown into a pit. He was thrown into a prison. He was there for years. He was forgotten about. And all of a sudden, in walk his brothers and bow their knee. Not even knowing it's him. Boy, that dream he had as a little boy came true. 
And Joseph had to walk out because he was so emotional at God coming through on His promise and seeing his brothers for the first time and the hurt he felt in his heart and the anger he must have felt in his heart toward his brother and the fact that maybe he hadn't totally forgiven them had dawned on him right there in that spot. So what does he do? He takes one of his brothers and he imprisons them. And he, he questions them as spies. He takes the money and has it put back in their sack with the food and sends them back and says, if you really are who you claim to be, you've told me you have another little brother, then bring him with you the next time or I'm not giving you anything. They get home and they open up the sack and not only is the food there that they bought, but the money is there. Now it looks like they stole the food. And they're terrified. And they don't know it was Joseph. And the dad does not want to part with Benjamin. You see, uh, Jacob had uh, children by four women, and Rachel was his favorite wife. And God had given Rachel two boys, one named Joseph and the other one named Benjamin. And she died in childbirth to Benjamin. And so Benjamin was his beloved son because Rachel had been his favorite wife, and he had lost Joseph, and he had been depressed and sad for years in the losing of, of, of Joseph. And so he didn't want to part with Benjamin, and so Judah says, let me take care of Benjamin, and if I don't bring Benjamin back to you, then I'll own it. It'll be on me. You see, they ran out of food and had to go back. So they go back a second time, and through a series of events, Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. He sees that they've learned their lesson, and he says, go get dad and bring him here. If you've ever wondered how the Israelites ended up in Egypt... This is the story of how they ended up in Egypt. They were brought back to Egypt, and there he got to spend uh, his father's twilight years with him until his father died. Letter C, notice he forgave his brothers. He forgave his brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in the place of the 11 brothers that had sold Joseph into slavery, I would feel like, has he really forgiven us? This dude is the second most powerful man in the world. Once dad is gone, he could like have our heads chopped off. He says he forgave us, but is he just doing lip service to dad? This is one of the most amazing passages of scripture on forgiveness in the entire Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 50. Look at verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead... They said, Joseph will pre-adventure hate us and will certainly get revenge, will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. They're so terrified, they won't even go themselves to talk to Joseph. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servant of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And he said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Look at this amazing response from Joseph. Fear not. For am I in the place of God? Hey, it's God's job to punish wrongdoers. 
It's not my job. Oh, I'm a powerful man, Joseph says. I'm the second most powerful man in the world. And I have the legal right to have your head chopped off with no consequences to me if I so choose. But Joseph says, I haven't forgotten my faith. And I haven't forgotten that you're my brethren. And I haven't forgotten that God has called me to forgive you. Joseph says, punishment belongs to God, not me. Am I in the place of God? Look back down there at verse number 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Hey, when you threw me in that pit, you meant evil. You were trying to hurt me. But God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And, be com- and, and, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. He led by faith. you know what leaders do? When leaders are wronged, leaders forgive. You want to know if you're a leader? You want to know if if God is using you to lead others? Someone's wronged you. Okay. You say, well, I'll forgive them if they'll say I'm sorry. Well, what are we, kindergartners? Do we need mom to pull us into a room and say, you say you're sorry, mean it. Now you say forgive you and mean it. Now hug each other. No, 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 hug like you mean it. Are we kindergartners, folks? Just because someone wrongs you, they don't even need to admit they wronged you. Someone wrongs you and hurts you, they may still be currently wronging you and hurting you. You know what God's called you to do? God's called you to forgive them. You say, Pastor, it's so easy for you to stand up there and say that. It is so hard to live it. And I say, I get it. I get sometimes it's hard to forgive other people. Here's how we learn to forgive. We must look at the situation through the scope of faith. Because if we're looking at a hardship that someone's bringing into our life and we say, God, you are allowing this because you're trying to work a good in my life. God, you're allowing that person. You're allowing those circumstances to hurt me because you are trying to grow me and you have a beautiful result at the end of the day if I'll trust you. You know what, God? I don't enjoy what they're doing. I don't enjoy what's happening through these set of circumstances that are going on. Sometimes when we're hurt and when we become embittered, it's our own fault. Sometimes when we're hurt and we become embittered, it's nobody's fault. It's just how the, 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 the cards, if you will, are dealt to us in life. And when that happens, we can become embittered or we can look up to God and say, God, I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I know you do and I trust you. And then we forgive by faith. That's the only way we're ever going to forgive. We look at the cross, and then we say, God, I trust you. Your way is best. You know what you're doing. He led by faith. Leaders forgive. Notice number three and lastly, Joseph's legacy of faith. Joseph's legacy of faith. I'm almost done. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 22, where we began this evening, I began by saying that if I was writing up a bio in the book of Hebrews about uh, the life of um, uh, Joseph, I wouldn't have chosen this, especially considering all of those moments. But this is the one that was chosen. Look at chapter 11 and look at verse number 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Look with me quickly at Genesis 50, verse 24. We'll read down to the end of the the book here, these three verses, and then I'll make a couple of quick comments and we'll close. 
And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from thence, from hence rather. So Joseph died being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. You know what Joseph said? Joseph said, hey folks, we may live in Egypt. This isn't our home. Don't get comfortable here. God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to my father Jacob that we're supposed to go back. So, I want you to promise me that you'll not get comfortable here. And that you will embalm me. You'll put me in a coffin. And when you leave, you'll take me with you. You know, he could have had his body buried immediately in the land of his fathers. But instead, he asked his body to be stayed, to stay right there. And that when they walk past that coffin, for it to be a symbol that one day we're going to leave. One day we're going to leave. One day we're going to leave. We're going to go back to the land God called us to. And you know what? We know about Exodus and Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. And we know all of those stories that come in the book of Exodus, uh, at the very next book here. I wonder if that would have ever happened, if they would have ever even had a heart to leave, if that coffin wasn't there for them to look at over and over and over again. Joseph said, I've lived my life by faith. I want my legacy to be one of faith. And every day you walk past my casket... I want you to tell your children and your grandchildren, this, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're going somewhere else. So don't get comfortable. Amen? I hope that's been an encouragement to you. Some of you may have needed that tonight. Others of you didn't need it tonight. But you're going to need it down the road. And so tuck those truths away and make sure we're living a life by faith. Hey, everybody's either on a mountaintop, uh, in a valley. Everyone's either in a valley or getting ready to go in a valley. Amen? And so, um, a mountaintop is comprised of two valleys. So if you're on the mountaintop, hey, you're probably getting ready to go in a valley, and um, uh, you'll need uh, the truths covered tonight.